Welcome to the Words Matter Podcast, a podcast of First Baptist Church Seminole. All right, and welcome to another Words Matter Podcast, a podcast here at First Baptist Church Seminole. As always, I am your host, Josh Pollock, the youth pastor here at First Baptist. And over to my right, we've got... Nikataya. Love, love doing these. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying these. These are fun. I love it when Mondays fall on podcast day. And... As sarcastic as that sounded, I promise that. No, I'm sincere. I mean, sincere. I mean, sincere. He's, he's not sarcastic about that. I wasn't it's even just... trying to rib Garrett about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was a scale of like zero to Garrett's enthusiasm about podcasts. Garrett would definitely be the top about that. Oh, yeah. We can't even get Today close is to a that. great day. Yeah. I'm podcasted full. This is our second. This is me and Garrett's second podcast to, <clears throat> to film today, to record today. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But. Had these headphones on in front of this microphone for I didn't quite a go. while today. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go. Nick was not a part of that one. He was not <laughs> invited to the club. Mm-hmm. We right now only have three microphones set up, so that was kind of the default of of the reasoning why. But we have a fourth that we'll set up someday. Um, so I got a question for you guys. Now this is maybe very divisive. Nick last week talked about coffee cups. Um, and th- this is a question I think people would be really interested to hear, especially heading into this Easter oh season right here. Um, and I mean, the potential of this question to divide people or to look at you, I will judge you based off your answer um, to this question. I do that to people all the time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, are you guys, the heaviness of this question? I'm, it's, yeah, I'm anticipating I'm nervous, answering, nervous. not even knowing the question. So what is your go-to Easter candy? Oh, that's simple. <laughs> That is simple. You're so judged by your answer, though. Yeah, yeah. I have them in my office right now. What do you have? I have the Reese's yeah. Easter egg. All right. Yeah, All the right. Reese's peanut butter I, cup Easter egg. I, I would probably agree with that answer, Kier. I don't have one. Really? Yeah, I don't. There's nothing. I don't geek out about any of the special candy that comes out for Easter. Well, you don't have to geek. I mean, I don't get excited about Peeps. Those things are disgusting. I don't get excited about. I mean, I can eat your peanut butter egg things, but I could also not have them. So I, maybe the maybe the robin eggs is that what they're called with like the, the malt, malt, the malt, with the malt yeah. in the middle. See now, I, I'm no. I'm down with that, but you can only eat like three or four, and then it's like okay, I'm, I'm malted out. I've I've never stopped eating three or four of anything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm eating a candy, I'm like, you know what? I want a candy that turns me off after three bites. And yeah, that's, I'm, I'm moving. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I'm a fan of the peanut butter cups. I have to agree with that. Um, but this of time course, of year, the two of you against me. You get, but this well, I, I do have. It goes. I, there is a candy I like that nobody, and there's only I, only one place to get them anymore, and that's at Walgreens. That's the chicks and rabbits. You ever know. get the chicks and rabbits? I don't know what what are they? Are. It's basically a circus peanut. Oh, for yeah. Easter. Oh, and yeah. It's a circus peanut in the shape of a chick and rabbit, and I love them, but I like circus, you have to go to Walgreens to get them. The, it's the same thing. Like, you can eat three or four, but then it's overload. That's not true. I could eat a whole bag of them. I'm not a big fan of circus peanuts. disgusting. I, this time of year, though, you can get the Cadbury cream eggs. And I'm a fan of the Cadbury chocolate cream eggs. That's not the regular. While he was speaking, he had his little finger. Yeah, up I don't like like, like a snob. I'm holding a pin. I don't know. <laughs> if I'm biting into a chunk of chocolate, I don't need it to squirt into my beard oh, and run down I'm my beard. It's totally <laughs> worth it. Like yolk? Is it supposed to? Be, is it supposed to look like yolk? So up until I was like a teenager, I was convinced. I was like, why would people just eat regular egg stuff inside of chocolate? And that looks so gross. And it's just like nougat and caramel and 
like all the good sweetness that comes with candy. So it's supposed to look. You're supposed to think, oh, this is yolk. I guess it's like an egg shape. That's disgusting. No, you should put them in the refrigerator, and then it doesn't like run anywhere, Ooh, and then it stays that's a good together. Idea. I'm, yeah. Now I do. I do really like the huge chocolate bunnies and stuff, mm. but they're but they're made with cheap chocolate. Now if they would be made with good chocolate, then I'd be down with. And that. they're hollow now. Those are you hollow? Yeah, they are solid? hollow. That's the, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you can get the it's solid. Kind of disappointing to have. Put some jam in it. Put I mean, some blackberry jam in it. It'd be a lot of jam. <laughs> like cut the bottom, <laughs> squirt jam in there, hang it up and hit it with a bat. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not a big fan of jelly beans this time of year either. Um, I, oh, Garrett just. Got I'm it. a fan of jelly beans year round. I uh, love jelly beans. I can't do jelly beans. We lived in California and got to tour the um, Jelly Belly factory several times a year. Um, Overpriced. Now my son got those. It's like ten uh, bucks for a handful of Jelly Bellies. My my son got one of those, uh, the fake ones that taste bad. Oh yeah, and tricked me. No good. Bamboozled. Bamboozled. That's what it's called. That is a. I got the. I think I got the uh, like stinky feet, and I've never tasted stinky feet, but it tasted like stinky feet smell. It, it was a, disgusting. I bet you've smelled stinky feet. I have. A okay. tool in every youth pastor's uh, oh, tool yeah. belt is those jelly beans. I have some, matter of fact, Ugh. on the way right now um, to play Wednesday Night Highway. <laughs> so they will be here um, tomorrow. All right, so that was my question. It wasn't, wasn't that, that I know Garrett looked a little good. Good there, question. So. That was a good question. Way more worried than I had to be. <laughs> All right, so as we start off our podcast, every time let's ask the question, what happened last week? Last week, issues... Of the proprietary nature, yes. proprietary nature. We we were uh, examining First Timothy two, instructions to men and women, and uh, the heart of that issue being men and women both approaching the house of God in a spirit, posture, attitude of holiness and godliness, and uh, apparently the men were approaching the church uh, in forms of anger and argument, and the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, the men should not approach the church, Uh, they should not come into the house of God bringing an argument, stirring up trouble, or being angry about anything, which leads us to understand that men are supposed to enter the house of God with a spirit of forgiveness and humility. And then he moves on to uh, women in the church, and uh, the issue of women trying to, in in two different ways, kind of usurp the order of things or usurp the environment. Um, they were apparently dressing themselves to show off and wearing jewelry to show off, and this was disruptive. Uh, it's not that women can't look nice. Uh, it was the, the links, that, the steps that they were taking to draw attention to themselves. And the Apostle Paul says, you can't approach the house of God, trying to make it about you, and you can't usurp these proprietary things in the church, like authority and teaching and, and things of this nature. And so, bottom line is, men and women are spiritually equal in the gospel, but there are, um, and they must approach the house of God with holy and pure hearts. So. Yeah, that's a very difficult text to to preach through. 
Um, and if you don't preach this way, it's really easy to skip the hard text and go, well, I don't want to talk about that, so we're just not going to talk about right. that as a church. And, and you are not shying away from that through this pastoral epistle series. Um, matter of fact, one of the hard statements you made, I actually, looking through my notes right now, um, it made the statement, men are indulgent and stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote that down kind of laughing. Uh, I was like, oh, he's letting, he's letting us guys have it. Ha, ha, ha. And the more I listened to your sermon, I'm like... We are just like terrible people, especially <laughs> when it comes to the house of God. That 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 it's easy to say, oh yeah, we're indulgent, we're stubborn in our lives and the way that we treat people and the way that we conduct ourselves, whether it's in public or private. But that bleeds over into our worship services as well. Unfortunately, that we walk in here um, a lot of time with the hammers pulled, ready to fire at the first person um, to let us have it because we're upset about something or that we don't like a song that we sang, or it wasn't the way that we like to sing it, um, or somebody offended me or is sitting in my pew, and we're ready to just kind of, even in the house of worship, we don't we walk in with those things, and, and we don't rightly, I don't want to say leave those at the door, because we shouldn't pick those up when we leave. We should leave those at the altar. Um, and I think that's kind of what your call was, is is that, yeah, we, we are these indulgent, stubborn people, and the call to holiness is to leave that with God and let Him deal with those and deal with our heart. Because um, that's the note that I have, is it says, even in church, we're that way. That it yeah. wasn't just a blanket statement, but it was even in church that we tend to carry some of that stuff with us. Yeah, and I think in that in that indulgent and stubborn nature of men, uh, men historically, uh, on the wrong side of, of, of having a gracious attitude, having a poor attitude about things, have used a text like this to actually emotionally abuse women in the church. And I think one of the things that's beautiful in this text the Apostle Paul points out to Timothy is when uh, talking about women in the church, he says, a woman is to learn. Now, he, he has that's not the end of the sentence or the statement, but the fact of the matter is women were not esteemed in culture in this time, and we're learning as every decade goes by that we've historically, especially as men and in culture, have not been good at esteeming women appropriately. And that is true of the church also. And so a text like this actually helps us on the issues of, on these proprietary issues of who men are in the church and who women are in the church. And, you know, we can we can debate around the surface of that, but at the end of the day, the scriptures do speak about um, those distinctions of men and women in the church, but at the end of the day, uh, we can't we, the, we we can't take a statement like women should learn quietly and as men go that means I'm more important than you. That means what I have to say actually matters more than what you have to say. That is where the indulgence and stubbornness and argument and arrogance of men becomes uh, impure. And makes us impure. And instead, we need to be pure. And when in any moment of appropriateness and equality uh, for the good of the church, never put the fist up or the hand out to keep women at a distance, but remind ourselves that they are equal disciples under the lordship of Jesus Christ as men. And we have to be conscious of that. So, I was underlining in both of those things when you you address men in the house of God and then women in the house of God in uh, verses nine through twelve. That really it, it came down to two things that we should we should 
um, conduct ourselves in this holy manner, but also we need to worship, realize that worship is not about us. Right. Um, yeah. that, that it is about God, and everything that we do points back to who He is and His character. And, and that's when He instructs the men. He says, He starts off with, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands. Yeah. And then He says, without these things. He doesn't start off saying, these are the things you need to get rid of so you can do that. And he said, I need you to do this without those things. And then it does point back to God that worship is not about us. So it's a word that you didn't use that uh, is probably appropriate for that is complementarianism. Right, yeah. And so this this view of um, men and women are, are equal um, in spiritual things but, but hold separate roles um, and have some guidelines that are more specific and gender-related. Um, but I've, I've been listening to... Um, some sermons by by R.C. Sproul, who holiness is kind of his, the holiness of God is right, yeah, kind of his. Um, I don't know what what he's known for, and it's actually in the in the sermon series of of um, about the holiness of God, and and it's really focused me. Um, it changes the way we view absolutely everything, N- not just the 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 church service, not just. Um, our personal lives, but it changes everything when we when we view God's holiness properly, and then we we couple that with His call for us to also be holy, um, which is impossible of our own. Um, it 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 will change the way you dress, the way you speak, the way you interact with others, um, both inside and outside of the church, the way that you. Bring your preferences to the table, um, or your arguments to the table. You, you'll bring it with a different level of humility when, when we are in the when we we view ourselves correctly under the umbrella of God's holiness. Then it, it changes how we can even accept difficult things in Scripture. Right. That yeah. uh, we can we can be okay with it, even though it may not be naturally comfortable to us. Yeah. I think that's a that's one of several passages that a lot of pastors have um, gotten themselves in trouble preaching through. Um, I, I think wisdom and discernment and understanding is important for the pastor when he teaches in these verses, not to just take what we're familiar with and what we think we understand about men and women, but to actually look at the biblical context and address it appropriately. I hope that happened. I hope that we were gracious in our approach to both men and women while being honest about Paul's conversation here with Timothy is really geared around praying to the end of uh, the gospel being advanced in those verses before. So if men and women in the church are going to pray to the end of the gospel being advanced and people coming to know Christ as God wants all to be saved, then we must approach those prayers we must approach the house of God. We must approach worship in holiness and purity, um, both men and women. Well, I think it goes back to some of the covenants that the Israelites were to keep were so they would be this priesthood of nations. They would look different than everybody else. Right. And I think if, if for him to say here, this is the way the world acts because this is what's happening in, in, in synagogues and in temples around us, we are going to be set apart and different because these are the things we're, we're, we're not going to participate in as we draw closer to God. And it, it, it sets you apart and you become that salt and light, um, that city on a hill that people are to look forward to because you look so different. 
and he addresses men and women here. And then fast forward to just yesterday's sermon, um, you talk about the qualifications of, of a leader. Like he addresses men and women and what they're supposed to do. And then he goes on to address church leaders and, and kind of what it means to be an elder, to be this leader um, in, in a church and what that looks like. Yeah, and in these verses that's gonna, that are going to take us both the, uh, this last week and the next week to get through uh, these these two types of leaders in the church, the overseer, the elder, bishop, pastor, uh, and the deacon. Those are the two offices, and then the only two offices that we see in the Scriptures in the New Testament uh, for the New Testament church at all, just those two offices. And so we we started by looking at what the Apostle Paul has to say about the qualifications for the overseer, and they're, they're firm. These are... Uh, the standard is extremely high. Uh, th- this standard is extremely high for Christians, let alone the world, uh, when you think about uh, a standard of, of this nature. And of course, we didn't get through all of them this last Sunday, uh, but we were able to, to kind of pinpoint a couple things. One, uh, that terms or words, I guess you could say, in, in, in the thought of words mattering. Uh, mattering? Can you say mattering? Mattering. Oh, mattering? I don't know. And the thought of the, how words matter, uh, Paul specifically speaks in the New Testament and in these pastoral epistles about the elder, the elder being the overseer of the church. Right now he's speaking about the qualifications but in every other instance, when describing the elder, it's a plurality. There was never an intent for one elder to lead a church, which actually brings us to a point that didn't come up in the message yesterday, and I probably need to be mindful and address this, that there are people, when they talk about church government, the different forms of church government, is it congregational, is it pastor-led, is it, you know, is it uh, the presbytos, is it Presbyterian, is it Episcopal, is it Catholic, whatever the terms they want to use for, for government, we have to remember that Christ and Christ alone rules the church. He is the ruler of the church. No man, no elder, no committee, no membership rules the church but the elder leads the church. And so the church is ruled by Christ, led by elders, and served by ministers, also known as deacons. Mm. So, Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and then to kind of echo that a little bit, you talked about the need for elders and, and the need um, for these leaders. Um, and I think it goes back to what you preached on the week before, becoming more and more like the world. Um, that it needs to be set for God. And matter of fact, you made that point that um, we need elders and leaders because the because of the church and the leaders were becoming more and more like the world. Yeah, uh, to set them apart for that and to kind of be that shepherd to to rein the sheep in and point them in that that right direction. Yeah. And so you have the church becoming more and more like the world, and so there is this need um, to help set people, men and women, who we had just talked to, apart from the world. Um, to kind of draw people in. Yeah, I think uh, uh, when you look at leadership in general, just across the board, just leadership in general, and you see all of the flaws and all the mistakes that are made and all the nuances of it and how leadership in the world changes from time to time, uh, the way that people lead organizations and companies today may not look like it did 100 years ago. 
One of the things that's great about a church that submits fully to biblical ecclesiology or the study of the church as found in Scripture, the understanding of the church found in Scripture, is that we have this... It's not just simply a document. It's the living, breathing Word of God that gives us instructions. And when we apply those instructions, for example, ordaining men in the church to give spiritual men who meet the qualifications to give oversight to the spiritual condition of the church, we are falling in line with God's order, and it is timeless. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. It's timeless. And our churches need more timeless, biblical, qualified leaders. Hmm. You had mentioned just a little bit about the reason why we don't have elders really in a lot of Baptist churches. Now, we're seeing that trend kind of change. We're seeing a lot. I've had more conversations with youth pastors, I think, recently who have an elder system or an elder board in their church to help the leadership of that church. Um, Do you think there's a reason why that the churches got away from an elder system or never kind of engaged in an elder system to begin with? Yeah, so um, I, I think there's two reasons. I think it's nuanced in two ways. One, I do believe that our seminaries and our biblical institutions, particularly in the Baptist network, if you will, uh, have gotten more or realigned uh, with better theology and better doctrine of the last couple decades. And that is challenging. Uh, uh, that, that is challenging our ministry students, our pastoral students in those schools and in those institutions to think more critically on issues of biblical ecclesiology. And so they're getting their hearts and their minds around um, the issues of church government um, when they weren't challenged with that before. The second is, to be quite honest, I I think a lot of churches are just, their stomachs are tired of being turned of um, dysfunction in the church. And so much of the dysfunction in the church comes back to the church being misaligned to biblical ecclesiology or out of order, just like a church in Ephesus or just like a church, the church in Corinth. And so we get to this threshold where we're, we're going, we're tired of this. We're tired of this cyclical, uh, uh, these happenings, just every decade something happens. And we're, we got to, our structure has to be more biblical so that we can be more resolved when we are in tough times. You use the word ecclesiology twice. You explain to our listeners what ecclesiology is. Ecclesiology is the study of the church. There uh, is. Ecclesia is the church. The gathering actually means gathering, and so it's the study of the gathering of God's people. So, the, so that would be the dysfunction of that that's come together in a certain way, and we're trying to get back to that through some of this. Elder. Correct. Okay. Yes, and it's interesting. You use the word board when you said an elder board, and there's this this I think. Um, mindset of that being like a board of trustees. But if you look, and I'm not picking on you, uh, Josh, you, you gave that half-hearted smile like, man, no, I'm just... <laughs> I got to pick on you guys any chance I can, but I'm not. Um, but it's interesting when you look at the qualifications here, none of the qualifications deal with business management or um, the same sort of even maybe leadership qualities that I would have looked for in um, in an infantry officer you know the the hardness of it they're all they're all gentle and and um it's the opposite of what you would think the only part of management that you see here is management of his household and mm-hmm. uh i don't think anybody manages their house the way that maybe they would 
manage a Fortune 500 company. It's, yeah, you it's notice, totally different. Yeah, notice it's, it doesn't say, as the world has granted influence to men in the church, the church ought to consider those men to be elders. No. That, right. j- just because you come to the table with influence in the world doesn't mean you're qualified to be an elder. Yeah, I think every every book that, that I've picked up recently that speaks to elders has talked about that, that it's not the typical leaders you would look for in the world. It, it would be almost the opposite of that And um, when it comes to the qualifications of, of what you look to look for an elder. And um, yeah, I, I did use that term, elder board, and I think that's just a very common term um, that we have associated with that, that idea of, of coming before this, the powers that be almost. Um, and you have that that board of elders that you would stand before, and that's not that's not a, a, a that's not a, an appropriate picture of what elders who are helping to lead your church looks like. And we won't necessarily unpack the issue of plurality of elders today. Um, when we get to here in a few months, when we get to Titus, Titus actually deals more in line with uh, the specific issue of the plurality of elders. That no pastor should be on an island leading by himself. That's dangerous. Mm. And that's one of the areas, like I said earlier, where churches have found themselves, well, our pastor failed us, what do we do now? Well, if we had been rightly ordered, we might not be in that situation where we're going, what do we do now? Because the polarity of elders might have stood up instead. We, we, already get, we know what we're doing now. So, so, anyway. so this sermon, you made a distinction between, um, between elders and deacons and in in their roles, and so right. you said that that elders are uh, servant leaders, right? And deacons are lead servants. Yeah. Are you going to unpack that more yeah. this next week? Yeah. So okay. that'll get. Yeah, th- we're actually going to unpack it a couple more times as we come to those passages, in this, as we deal with those texts in the pastoral epistles. But I just wanted to go ahead and get that out there in front of the congregation to be thinking about that. That. Uh, those distinctions of the two areas of leadership, uh, leading and serving, uh, there there is overlap in those. They're not. It's not like one guy just stands behind a pulpit and points his finger and says, "You do this. I'm the elder," and the other guy says, "Well, I'll you know you throw the bone and I'll go chase it down." There there is overlap, and the overlap is in leadership and service. So, uh, you know, the elder is gives oversight, and that's what makes him the leader. And the deacon is the lead servant. He's the lead minister. Um, And that's what you see in Acts chapter 6 is the apostles saying, we've got this distinct ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to, and we're teaching and we're praying, but we acknowledge that there's a lot of ministry that needs to happen. So they gather the church and they say, choose from among you men who meet these qualifications so that... We can have the right, and here we go using this word again, it's a proprietary issue, so that nothing is neglected in the church. It actually esteems the entire body to say some will be servant leaders and some will be lead servants. It's actually for the benefit of the entire body of Christ that we would be ordered in that way. Mm. I think as a church, we want to we label it differently to make it fit our mold, and so we've right. created terms and, and qualifications that, that don't go into Scripture or line up with Scripture at all. And you made the statement to end your sermon yesterday, what does the Bible say, and how can we be more faithful to it? And yeah. that that was a, a, a statement that resonated with me, and I, I think as a church we should wrestle with that. 
that as a church and as a member and as a, as a follower of God individually, we should look at what does the Bible say and how can we follow it more closely. And I think we've tried to incorporate that into our our services on Sunday morning and, and our, our worship when we're, our goal is to to preach the Word, to pray the Word, to see the Word, to teach the Word, and to sing the Word, um, to incorporate everything we do back to worship. We just had this interview with um, Dr. Sims, which will be available soon if you haven't already listened to it, um, and he said that everything in the worship service should point back to God, and it was kind of echoing what we had been doing here on Sunday mornings and trying to accomplish with our worship services, and it was really interesting to hear that. Um, and then to hear this statement and see how what we do on a Sunday morning matters as it points everything back to God. Yeah, I think I think one of the worst things that we can do, and maybe we've all at some level been guilty of this, is we can you know, we can come to these heavy and um, these multitude of chunks of scriptures that deal with issues like the issue of elders, like the issue of deacons, and we can read it and almost go, "That's cute," but here's what we do. And it's, it's worked, so let's just keep doing it. Or it has its flaws, but for the most part, we enjoy it. I think it's one of the worst things you can do in, in, in the spiritual life is look at Scripture and say, well, that's neat, I'm glad I read that, but here's what I do. Or here's, you know, we, we, can't, we can't glaze over these things. We have to take time, at the very least, to consider what the Scripture is saying to us. Was that, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it? If it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it. Statement and yeah. let's work for this long. We might as well keep going. But eventually, when, it's going to break. Yeah. When you, well, when you <laughs> hold it up to the measuring stick that is God's word, well, yep. it may be functioning, but that doesn't mean that it's not broken or it needs to be mended or needs to be corrected and held to the correct standard instead of what we would typically drop that standard to. Yeah. Um, so to transition, uh, talking about that and what does the word say, and we talked about through the word and through worship, we're finishing up March right now. Our anthem of um, stricken, smitten, and afflicted is coming to an end, and I've had more conversations with people recently who have who have come to love that song, um, and most of them say the same thing. That is not one I would have chosen to put on my Spotify playlist of my weekly rotation, but they are very glad that that we are singing it together as a congregation. That's been good, and I, I noticed Sunday that we could hear the singing, and so yeah. even even just two weeks into or two weeks, yeah, just two weeks into it, or three weeks, three weeks, three, three weeks into yeah. it, yeah, where people are there's a familiarity to it now, and so uh, and we're singing out a lot, which is great. So we've talked about what's what's happened in the last couple of weeks. So let's look forward of what's happening to keep in this this tone of of worship. We've got our Easter service right around the corner. Um, we've got a worship service at ten forty five that we're excited about. Um, where not only will we gather as a church, but for some matter of fact, this morning on my Facebook memories um, was our first pandemic worship service live. <laughs> Um, to go back and to see... Why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> to see all the testing that myself and Gavin Garner did on cameras and audio um, to make sure we try to get everything ready. It has been almost a year to date since we had to go online. And to think that we're almost a year out from this and getting ready to gather for Easter and to see the faces of Sunday morning and to see how our congregation um, has has changed and started to come back. I, I'm excited. I, I know that I'm excited to be able to gather with God's people again and to look back at um, our chapel services where it was ten people or less gathering to <laughs> yeah. to try to to figure all this out at the same time. Yeah, 
I, I, uh, I, I've been extremely excited the last, uh, particularly few weeks as we, I mean, our, our time of corporate worship has grown tremendously in the last few weeks. And, and over the last few months, we've grown because we've got new families coming and it has been a joy to get to know those new families. Some of them we've already baptized. Some of them we're baptizing in the coming weeks. But also, just as people come uh, out of the pandemic from whatever, whatever, you know, their comfort level has changed and they're coming back to the worship service. And it feels uh, energetic, it feels enthusiastic. People are commenting about, I'm so glad I'm back, you know. And then people are meeting each other for the first time and getting to know new new faces. And it's just been really beautiful. We, you can just tell that people have been longing for fellowship. And I'm just excited. I'm so thankful to the Lord for what He has accomplished in our church over the last uh, few months and, and particularly the last few weeks. He has accomplished so much and uh, solely Deo Gloria all the way. So, yeah, writing out some things we're going to talk about here in a minute, I, I got really excited to see this list of things that our church is doing because last year at this time we were literally deleting things off a calendar. Um, and making a plan A through Z uh, and realizing we had to go into numbers because after plan Z, you got to start off with something different. Um, so to be able to be planning some stuff for the summer. So as we get ready to talk about our Easter service, um, Easter Sunday, 1045, we have a worship service. If you're listening to this, you don't have to wait to Easter to come back to a worship service. We are meeting and gathering right now every Sunday at 1045. Um, we're starting small groups the week after Easter. I'm really excited to get back into that. Um, swing of things to get people connected in a small group setting. But what do we have look to f- look forward to for our Easter service, Garrett? Um, the music is going to be a lot different than our anthem that we've had for this month. So um, very, um, it, it'll be a good it'll be a good day. Um, very uh, instead of looking back at the pain and the suffering of Christ, we're we're going to get to um, we're going to get to extol his. His work, his finished work, um, when he came, came from the grave, um, and so our anthem for next month um, is is a is a new song. It's a city of light song. Um, it was finished on that cross, and so for the month of April, we'll uh, we'll sit in Easter for a month, right? So we'll get to start off in Easter, but we'll be we'll be uh, really thinking about. Uh, we spent a whole month thinking about the 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 weeks prior to. His crucifixion and the and the pain of the crucifixion, and we're gonna for a month um, be thinking about the joy uh, that we have in the accomplished work on the cross. Yeah, and on Easter we will for the first time in fourteen months be seeing the yeah. Lord, seeing uh, the Word, <laughs> seeing the Lord, yes, but seeing the <laughs> Word uh, through the ordinance of the Lord's Supper through yeah. communion, mm-hmm. and so we're we really haven't done that in fourteen that. months. And some people might be saying, well, why haven't we been doing it? Why can't we swing by the church and pick up our stuff and do it at home? And just to be quite honest, uh, again, under the mandate of, I guess, we'll just go ahead and say overseer of the church, I find that to be something that the church does as it gathers in totality, that we do communion and Lord's Supper together. It's not something that we parcel out. It's something that is designed for us to do in complete fellowship, and Easter is kind of symbolic of us after the pandemic being in complete fellowship together. And so that's why we've waited. I'm excited. for. I didn't know we were doing that. I just, I just learned that information <laughs> with you folks. That was news to me. Um, but just all the more reason to get together and to gather um, 
together. I, I'm excited for that. And, and Easter Sunday, that anthem, it's going to be new to me. Um, I really like City of Light. Um, they're becoming one of my new favorite worship. Did I say that wrong? You guys like laughed when I said that. City of Light. City of Light. What did I say? City, City of, light. of Light. City of Light. It's all one word. You're thinking about glory and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the so, City of Light. Yeah. The, yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan. They, they've written a lot of songs that we've incorporated on through yeah. sun, our Sunday morning worship, a lot of our anthems and stuff. And so I think it'd be another great anthem to add to our collection of songs that we have really um, focused on, uh, especially to sing that together through Easter. Um, and so I'm excited for Easter Sunday. We've talked about the, the April's anthem. Um, to continue talking about worship, we just conducted our um, interview with Dr. Sims from OBU. Gary, you want to speak to that just for a minute real quick, give him a preview of what that'll be like? Yeah, it's uh, very good content. Um, it, excited to talk to him. Um, there's a there's a tie, I think. So, uh, Dr. Sims' father was the the pastor. Was it the first church that you were youth minister at? No, no. Um, he was pastor at uh, First Baptist Church Blanchard. That would have been like the third church that I served at, and so I served under his leadership for two years. Yeah. So the connection there, connection. Uh, Dr. Sims is the worship minister at my dad's church, um, and we know we knew each other. At a distance, we were both in the Bison Glee Club at Oklahoma Baptist University 20 years ago. Good for you. I know. Only yeah, the select you, few. You still have the sweater. I do, and I wear it proudly. You, you wear it. It has lots of holes in it. It does. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like my ability to sing. I, can't, I don't sing as well as I did back then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great conversation with him about um, worship, what, yeah. what he does, how he approaches worship and, and what he teaches his students about worship at OBU, and it's a really good interview, and we're going to be breaking yep. that up to a couple different parts and releasing that over the next uh, few weeks, so look forward to sharing that with you as well. And then to give you guys kind of a preview of things to come as we're starting to be able to plan, and we're coming out of this this COVID tunnel, if you will, um, as we start to move into a different season right now that, that God has brought us through and is bringing us into the season uh, some things to look forward to. We got Vacation Bible School, June 7th through 11th. I'm really excited for that. Um, last year, uh, we were able to put together a digital project uh, product out for people to be able to participate with VBS at home. Um, I, I helped Not work this on that. Year. I, I thought it was very good. It, it, it met the needs of what we needed at the time. Um, but even my children like just missed out on being... Um, there for Vacation Bible School, so they are really looking forward to be a part of that this year. And yeah, how about Falls Creek? Yeah, Falls you Creek. You don't get to go this year, do you? No, we we do. Um, Falls Creek um, is uh, back. They had that uh, word dropped last week um, that Falls Creek will be open this summer for everybody with um, very limited, if any, restrictions as the governor's opened the state, and they're taking some very practical steps forward to making Falls Creek available for everyone, which I'm excited. I think the potential to have a record-breaking summer for us, um, for Falls Creek as, as a whole, as students are ready to get out and do things. I spent um, three days with students at Falls Creek over spring break and um, took one of the largest groups we've ever taken to spring break and did some things we've never got to do, experienced some things we've never experienced. It was it was a lot of fun to be with those kids. and well, Had some decisions yeah. made? We did. We, we, we had two students um, pray to receive Christ while we were there at Falls Creek, which was pretty exciting. And we saw some... We saw how people how ready people are to get back involved in activity um, through Upwards Basketball that just mm, yep. ended last Saturday. Yes. I mean, the the participation of, of basketball players, 
but the participation of audience members who were coming to watch basketball was just phenomenal. And Terry did, as he always does, just a phenomenal job of executing our upwards basketball season. And so I just want to commend him for that. I don't, I don't know if he listens to our podcast or not, but if he does, Terry, you did a great job, and thank you for all that you do to serve uh, this community. And and probably the best thing done um, was how he uh, he orchestrated the gospel presentation. Oh, very intentional. To the, yeah, probably the. I think he said the most intentional that it had been over the years. So yeah, it was really well extremely done. intentional with gospel presentations. Yeah, so. Um, and it wasn't one of the the most. It wasn't like a record breaking season of a of children playing. But we probably had more people in the audience we've ever had before. Right. As people were ready to get out and gather and come support that. So that was really fun yeah. to be a part of. And so we've got Falls Creek July nineteenth through twenty fourth for students who have completed seventh through twelfth grade. Um, but if you've got a younger student, don't worry. We've got Vacation Bible School in June, and then we've got Cross Timbers June 26th through 29th, which is four three th- nights, three nights, and then it's fourth through sixth grade, third th- th- finish third grade, finish third mm-hmm. grade through sixth graders. Yeah. So if you've got a sixth grader ready to move up to middle school, I'll get them in August. But we've got Cross Timbers, which is an excellent camp um, that takes them and kind of puts them in their own element for a few days and keeps them pretty well organized from sunup to sundown. Um, some great central activities there for them as well. And so we've got just a summer full of stuff. We've um, got a once-a-month meal that, that we're, we're bringing back as well in May. Uh, we've got Easter coming up here in, in April, and we've got just a lot going on at our church, which we are excited about. Yeah as we continue yeah. to look forward um, to the things that are coming in our, our our church life. So I think that'll do it for us this week here at Words Matter Podcast. We want to thank you for listening and tuning in here um, to this podcast every other week. Uh, I know Garrett would definitely like us to do Rob. more and more. Rob, yes, I get that text the Monday morning that we don't record. Where's this week's podcast? Um, maybe maybe we'll get to a point there where we're ready to start recording a weekly podcast. Uh, but we thank you for listening. Uh, if you don't have a place uh, that you call home on Sunday mornings for worship, we would love for you to join us here at First Baptist Church Seminole at 1045 as we gather for worship and we gather around the Word. We'd love for you to come be a part of that. And then starting in April 11th at 930, we will start back with Sunday School for all ages. So come be a part of what we're doing here at First Baptist Church Seminole. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.